This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Now friends, in a short while, Pastor Andrew Ong will be unpacking God's Word for us, but before that, let's read God's Word together. If you have your own Bible, you can just flip right now to Romans 3, verse 19 to 26. If not, you can look at the screen and we'll flash the verses there as I read it for us. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 to 26. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of our sins. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Christ, in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Okay, good morning everyone. It's wonderful to come before you here on Good Friday. Let's go to God as we thank Him for this day. Dear Father, as we come before you, we truly want to thank you for on this day we remember the death of your Son Jesus. And we pray that you'll help us as we turn to your word to really remember anew uh, why this is such a good day and why we should truly be encouraged in our faith. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Many years ago, I used to be in charge of some uh, boys' brigade and girls' brigade companies, and I used to look after them uh, and their schools. Uh, they were based in Woodlands. And during that time, I met some truly remarkable young people. Uh, there will be these Malaysian boys and girls who would wake up really early in the morning, and I mean like 4 or 5 a.m., uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, come all the way from JB to Woodlands by bus, go to school in Woodlands, and reverse that journey again to go home. But the more amazing thing was that they would actually come to Singapore on Saturday as well. They would actually go from JB and come to Woodlands on Saturday in order to join our boys' brigade and girls' brigade activities. So it was really sad one day when I heard that one of my boys was actually arrested by the police. Uh, he was arrested by the police because he was selling pirated uh, DVDs and CDs. So obviously this is a long time ago, right? Because nowadays who, who, who sells pirated DVDs and CDs anymore, right? So I finally got to see him uh, in Queenstown Prison. Okay, Queenstown Prison is now closed. But that was a while ago. And I remember asking him how he was. And the reply that I kept getting from him was how he really wanted to be free. Uh, he, I think he was sentenced to a couple of months of jail. He really wanted to be free of jail, 
to get out of here, to go back to school, to go back to normal life. Now the problem was that everything about our situation was saying to him that he wasn't free, right? So we were talking by telephone across a Perspex uh, uh, enclosure. Uh, he no longer had his uh, cool gel hair that he used to have before, but his hair was all shaved. He had his uh, plain prison uniform that he was wearing. There was uh, uh, the guard monitoring the conversation at the end of the hall. And uh, I even brought him this uh, Christian book to encourage him. But when they were screening my book, they said that actually the, the spine of the book was too hard and they were worried that it would be used as a weapon. So they actually tore out the cover and the spine of the book. So all I gave him was just the pieces of paper which were the contents of the book, right? So everything that was in front of us was telling him that actually he was not free, right? He was not free at all in every way. Now we may feel very sad for this boy who in the end had to go back to Malaysia. But as we look at this passage, it's also a reminder for us that before Good Friday, we are also not free. And that's what today's passage is all about, right? Romans chapter 3 that we're studying today in the book of the Bible is really a reminder to us of how we are not free. And so, the passage begins by verse 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Now, it tells us that we are not free because we are under the law. And really, as we understand the law, okay, we're not going to spend too much time because, I mean, obviously this is Good Friday and we, we can't spend the whole day on just Romans. But we are really under the law and this law represents God. And, and because God is perfect, then God's law as well is perfect. In the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 12, it says, The law is holy, the commandments are holy, righteous, and good. So God's law is perfect as it represents God. It also tells us that God's law needs to be followed perfectly. In the book of James, it says, If you break one part of the law, you're guilty of all the law. And so, you know, it really shows us that we are under the law in every way. We are not free. We are, in a sense, in like a prison of the law. Because all of us have to be perfect all the time. It's like every day, 24 hours a day, for seven days a week, for 365 days of the year, we need to live a perfect life if we are going to obey this perfect law. I remember many years ago, my parents thought that would be a good idea for me to have piano lessons. I'm sure it's the rite of passage for many children. So I went to have my piano lessons and there was this nice lady. Well, she seemed very nice in Newton Circus. She had a whole a small house there and she used to teach me piano. And uh, as much as I practiced my piano during the week, uh, for that one hour when I went to the piano lesson, this uh, very kindly old lady would point out everything I did wrong during the lesson. You know, I, I, I hit the notes wrong. I would play too fast. I would play too slow. And after a while, you know, I really dreaded seeing her because... You know, I just kept getting, like, in a sense, critiqued by her every week I went. Now, the law is a bit like that, right? The perfect law of God is a bit like that. It's like watching over us, and we have to live perfectly every hour of every day for every moment of our lives. 
And so, because the law represents a perfect God, and the law is perfect, I know I'm not perfect. And the problem is, I cannot keep God's law perfectly. I cannot keep God's law perfectly. And as a result, I realize that the Bible tells us that rather than being justified by the law, rather than the law declaring me innocent, the Bible says every mouth will be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. We will be, under the law, sure of our certain guilt and sure of our certain judgment. Now why does this happen? Why, under the law, are we imprisoned in a sense that we are sure of our guilt and sure of our judgment? The Bible tells us that we are not free because it tells us that through the law, in a sense, we become conscious of our sin. Through the law, it shows us that all of us have sin. And so, in a way, the law shows us our problem. And our deep-seated problem is the power of sin over us. The power of sin over us. So I've told you about how there was this uh, relative of my wife in Australia who's recently been diagnosed with terminal cancer and how he had to rush the hospital to find out his condition using the MRI machine and the X-ray machine. The problem is not with the MRI machine or the X-ray machine. You can't blame the MRI or the X-ray machine. But rather, the MRI and the X-ray reveal the extent of his illness, his terminal cancer. And so in the same way, the law, in a sense, reveals the extent of our problem. And what does it reveal? What does the law reveal is our problem? The law reveals to us that we are under the power of sin. We are under the power of sin. In a sense, we are not free. We are enslaved to the power of sin. Now, again, in the book of Romans, the author shows us how this is so in his own life, experientially. Right? He realizes the power of sin in his own life. He shows us the power of sin pushing us down in a sense and holding us down and we not being able to escape. And so Romans chapter 7, uh, which we read for our responsive reading, it says, we know that the law is spiritual. Right? The law is good. The law is perfect. But I am unspiritual sold as a slave to sin. I'm under the power of sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is Sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. 
So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And so here we see experientially what we experience in our own life, isn't it? The things that we want to do, the things that we know we should be doing, we can't do. The things I hate, the things I know I shouldn't be doing, I find myself doing. This is the power of sin over us. This is us not being free. This is us being slaves to sin. Uh, when I grew up, I know that many of you know I went to study in boarding school in Australia for four years. Uh, I, I don't really recommend it. And that's why I didn't send my own kids there. But I remember when I went to boarding school, there was lots and lots of pornography. You know, all you, I mean, of course, it's an all-boys school. And uh, of course, they all get up to a lot of mischief. And so there's lots of pornography. And being exposed to that environment, I find even today, like decades later, I struggle with this issue. I put blockers on my computer, accountability software on my phone. I'm very careful what I watch. I'm very careful what I read. Why do I need to take all these extreme measures, these safeguards, these, these protections? It's because the power of sin is always lurking there, right? Because like what Paul is saying in the book of Romans, the things that you want to do, you find very hard to do. What you hate and what you don't want to do, the power of sin living in you still wants to push you in that direction. And so as we look at this passage, we see that we are, all of us, the Bible says, are sold as slaves to sin. Our experience is the same experience as Paul. What I want to do, I do not do. What I hate, I do. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, nor the evil I do not want to do. This is what I keep on doing. And so, what is our condition? Our condition is we are not free. We are not free because under the law reveals to us our slavery to sin. And that's why we call Good Friday good. Right? That's why Good Friday is a good day. Because Good Friday, in a sense, represents freedom for us, right? If we were not free before, then what Jesus does on Good Friday gives us that freedom. Now, the Bible says in chapter 3, verse 24, continuing on, that all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now, this word here, redemption, is a... It's the most beautiful word. It's a word which is found repeatedly in the Bible. And so, uh, here are a whole range of, 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 uh, of words in its original language. And they are all here in the same family, in the same constellation of redemption words, right? right so, redemption is such an important theme in the Bible that 28 times the Bible uses these words for Redemption, redemption, redemption. Now this word redemption, each time whatever Greek word is used, captures this idea of two things. It captures the idea of payment, okay? Payment or ransom and freedom, release, right? Payment in order to be released. And this is exactly the situation that we find ourselves in. This is the problem that the Bible is dealing with. We are slaves to sin. 
we're under the power of sin, and Jesus comes as a redemption, payment in order to release us from our slavery. Now, last week, in the Straits Times, I came across this really fascinating... Oh, okay, so this visually, this is what it looks like. So, redemption came by Jesus, right? We're under slavery. He pays a price, a ransom price, and through that, we are free. So last week, I came across this really interesting article. You should read it. You can Google it. It's, on the, it's online. It's about this uh, group of Singaporeans who maybe, maybe uh, COVID got to them, right? But I don't know what happened. They decided to buy this boat, but the boat was in uh, Seychelles. And it cost a lot of money to bring this boat from the Seychelles all the way to Singapore. And so they thought, okay, you know, uh, they're, 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 I guess they may be uh, semi-retired or some of them have quite a bit of time. And so they got together a group of people, friends and people that they found out with who have sailing experience, and they decided to go to Seychelles and actually bring the boat from Seychelles to Singapore themselves. Now, for those of you who don't know geography, Seychelles is like miles away, right? It's like off the coast of Africa, sailing across the Indian Ocean all the way to Singapore. Now, during that journey, you can already guess, right, this is going to be a really difficult journey, right? They face things like a broken engine. Okay, this is really bad because this Captain Moran actually doesn't have sails. Okay, contaminated fuel. Again, that's very serious because, you know, when you're contaminated fuel, can't power the boat, right? Storm which lasted two days, right, 48 hours of a roller coaster, they said. Nearly, the boat nearly uh, got sunk out of radio contact. But if you read the article in the Straits Times, those were not the biggest problems that they faced. It wasn't the storm or the broken engine or the contaminated fuel or out of radio contact. For them, the biggest problem was this, they went to this port called Port Blair, which is controlled by the Indian Navy. Okay, it's, uh, it's uh, in the middle of nowhere, right? Okay. And in that time there when they were in Port Blair, what happened was their boat was impounded. Right, so the, the, the Indian Navy basically refused to let the boat go. So they were like stuck there. And like, you know, they were there for so long, even the locals thought that the boat was permanently there. And people even came and took photographs and had a wedding video of the boat. Now that's what it's like to be, in a sense, not free, right? To be stuck, to be impounded, to be, in a sense, held hostage. And that's the situation that the Bible says that we are in. Under the power of sin, under the slavery of sin, we are stuck. We are not free. We, we cannot free ourselves. That's the very definition of being enslaved, right? Under the power of, of sin. And so that's why we need Jesus to pay for us outside of ourselves in order to be free. That's what redemption means. Payment of a ransom for release. Now, the payment that we see in the Bible, okay, so this is a picture of what happens. So Jesus pays the ransom so that there is freedom. That's the idea of redemption, right? The payment of a price, a ransom for release. And so that's what Jesus does for us. He sets us free from the power of sin. Now, the question is, how does Jesus pay on Good Friday? What does he pay in order to set us free from the power of sin? 
Well, the Bible tells us in the very next verse, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood. This idea of shedding of blood is a metaphor or image of a violent death, right? The shedding of blood is a violent death. I woke up this morning, read the newspaper. What do I read? Another uh, knife, uh, violent knife attack on the streets of Singapore, right? Seems like more and more happening. Some, some unhappy husband took a chopper to his wife, right? That's the shedding of blood. The shedding of blood always represents violence, right? And here we see in the shedding of blood that the ransom that Jesus pays is not a ransom of money or of, or of, of you know, diamonds, but of, of his own blood, of violent death. And so the ransom that we remember on Good Friday that Jesus pays is when he goes to the cross to be crucified. That is the violent death that Jesus pays that frees us from the power of sin. That's the ransom that Jesus pays on our behalf. Because the ransom that, that is demanded for the power of sin is not like cryptocurrency or, or money, but it's actually uh, blood. Now, the question we ask ourselves is, why is blood necessary? Why is blood necessary for the payment of sin, the payment of this judgment of sin or the power of sin over us. Now, throughout the Old Testament, uh, we've always seen that in order for people to be set free from the power of sin, it always uh, requires a sacrifice of atonement. Now, again, another word we're not familiar with, right? Redemption and atonement. Jesus redeems us through atonement. Now, what is this atonement? Well, if you look up here, atonement basically means the reparation made when one has done wrong or committed sin. It is is a word which comes from the Old Testament, where every year, the people would lay their hands on the goat, right? The scapegoat, so to speak. And the goat, in a sense, would take representatively all the sins of the people on the goat and then the goat would be killed as a sin offering and the blood would then be used to symbolically represent a cleansing of their sin. And so what Jesus actually does on Good Friday is he is like the fulfillment or he is like the ultimate sacrificial uh, lamb or the sacrificial atonement for us. He atones for us by the giving of his blood through atonement. He is the sacrifice of atonement. So Good Friday is really good news because before we were not free, we were under the law, under the power of sin. We've been redeemed, we've been released by the payment of a ransom by the death of Jesus violently on the cross as atonement for us, as the payment for our sins. Now, this is really good news. Oops, sorry, before I get there. The problem is that for many people, they don't appreciate what Jesus has done for them, and that's why Good Friday is not so good after all, right? I've spoken to many people, and they say really silly things to me, like, oh, you know, I enjoy 
my life of sin. You know, I don't find sin a slavery at all. You know, I, I, I give myself over to sin. Well, you know, I was sort of thinking that, uh, you know, that anything that comes out of slavery uh, is really no good. Lah. You know, we live in a world where freedom is very important. Slavery is not. And I was thinking to myself, where can I think of incidences where, in a sense, people are really under slavery, right? They're enslaved or in prison and they're held hostage. Uh, I couldn't find any real-life examples that I could think of in Singapore, because obviously that doesn't happen very often, right? But I do remember uh, when I went to theological uh, college, uh, there was a, a lecturer who was a friend of mine. His name was Perry Wiles. He was a theological lecturer at, uh, in Sydney, but then he went to Trinity Evangelical Theological College in Chicago as a visiting lecturer. And uh, for those of you, you can Google it at some point in time, Chicago has a very bad crime problem. And they've got a really bad carjacking problem. So actually just looking up uh, the other day about Chicago carjacking, it's like, I think like, the last, I don't know how many weeks, right? If you look just on the news, there have been all these carjackings in the last few weeks in, in Chicago already, so the problem still exists, right? Anyway, so my, my friend Perry stops at a red light, at a, in a traffic light in, in Chicago. Normal thing you all do, right? Of course, we stop at a red light, right? As he stops at the red light, this man barges into his car with a gun. At gunpoint, forces him to drive one hour outside of the city, uh, you know, chats to him in the meantime, and then, for whatever reason, decides to let him go. Uh, Perry gets in touch with the police, and the police say, you know, you're really lucky, because, you know, when you see their face, usually they will shoot you. And, you know, for whatever reason, maybe you made a good impression on him, and you're still alive. But the bad news was that actually my friend never really recovered from that violent incident lah, of being held hostage for that one plus hours. He experienced emotional issues, post-traumatic stress syndrome. He ended up leaving uh, teaching, uh, leaving uh, ministry. He, he resigned from his ordination because emotionally he was just so affected by it. I remember a few years ago I went to KL to... Uh, go to a class reunion of my wife. Anyway, I ended up sitting next to this guy and he was telling me about this amazing incident in Kuala Lumpur where he was coming out of the car park and uh, he went to the gantry to pay for his uh, car park, right? Uh, and again, someone barged into his car and held him hostage and he was driving around with this guy trying to get this guy out of his car and then... Um, Finally, uh, I think, I don't know what happened, but he managed to get him out of the car and they had a fight outside of his car. And then he said, you see my face here? This is where he hit, he cut me with the broken bottle. And I'm like thinking, that's amazing, right? I mean, like, glad these things don't happen in Singapore. But you see, bad things happen out of, you know, these hostage situations where you're, you know, in a sense, imprisoned by people. I mean, for my friend Perry, he never recovered emotional problems, that this guy has a scar on his face. I think in the same way, what we have to see from the Bible is that when we are... Oh, sorry, I forgot to show you the other picture. Um, you know, in the same way, when we, when we come 
to our enslavement to sin, bad things happen, right? And so we have a choice. We can choose to remain under the law and, and the power of sin, but we know, as we've already read, that we have to give an account to God for all the sins that we've already done. So I remember an interview of this celebrity in the, of the 80s. Uh, he was a movie star. And he shared in this uh, very frank interview how when he was uh, much younger, he, he really enjoyed a life of sin. He, I think, quote-unquote, he gave himself over to a life of sin. And this celebrity who was an actor is now in his older age. And he said that he was really worried about dying. Really worried about dying. So much so that he wakes up with nightmares because he said that he knows in his heart that one day he will have to give an account for all the sins that he had done. You see, this is the outcome of a life lived in slavery under the power of sin. He wakes up with nightmares because he knows one day when he dies, he will have to give an account for all the sins that he has done. But it doesn't have to be this way, right? Because in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, it says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Jesus has redeemed us. He's paid the ransom of His blood. He's paid for our sins through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. To be received by faith. And so the response of Good Friday really is to accept the death of Jesus for us, to accept the redemption that He is offering us, to accept the blood that He shed on the cross for us, the sacrifice of atonement, and know that we are free. Free because Jesus has already paid for our sins. Jesus has already suffered on our behalf. Jesus has freed us once and for all from the power of and slavery of sin over our lives. So I hope that today, as we just looked at these, I think four, four verses only, right, that you would really understand what Good Friday is about. That when Jesus dies on the cross, it is freedom for us. Freedom from sin. Freedom from judgment. Freedom from all the bad things that we've done. We've now placed on Jesus and Jesus has paid for us with his death. And I hope that all of us will respond with faith to what Jesus has done for us by redeeming us on the cross, by paying for us by His blood, by giving us a sacrifice of atonement. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we truly want to thank you for, as we come today on Good Friday, we remember the death of Jesus. That when Jesus died, He gives for us redemption, payment to release us from slavery to sin and judgment. That He paid the price, the ransom price of a violent death on the cross so that He would be a sacrifice of atonement. So that on Him, on the cross, all our sins would be paid for, would be atoned for by Jesus. We pray that we would receive 
what Jesus has done for us with faith. And through that faith, we know that we are truly free. Free from the power of sin, free from the burden of the perfection of the law upon us, free from the judgment to come. And we pray that that is the case for all of us here and listening on Zoom as well. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.